Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill. You are here at Jill's Journals. This is our Friday podcast where we talk about more abstract and the what and the why of things. And then on Saturday, we do a little bit of a follow-up with the how. For those of you who, like me, are hardcore into taking action. So you're going to notice a couple things. One, I have some music. So uh, I'm sitting here trying to edit, which of course is taking up all my time. I can't even remember at this point what I was going to talk to you about. However, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to refocus. I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm going to see you back here in just a moment, which will be not our next time, but this time. It's a little bit late in the afternoon while I'm recording this, and apparently uh, all the dogs need to bark. It's always something. I think the other thing that's happening is I am in an echoey space. So uh, once I kind of get a handle on this, hopefully I will be able to relocate back to the trailer, which will hopefully also be, uh, it's a little bit more insulated, and so hopefully some of the echo that we've got going on in here sure there's a way to edit all of it, but that is not happening today. So uh, I remembered what I was going to talk to you about because I looked at the title, and it's another dramatic, scare you title. Siege with the Serial Killer and Locked in the Basement. Now, you've heard me talk about being locked in the basement with the Serial Killer multiple times. I haven't talked about Siege, which is really the type of warfare Uh, that I hear others talking about that we're under. And uh, so, you know, my plan was right to let go of this war effort. But uh, I don't think that we really can because I think that whether we're a man or a woman or whatever in between, this is our reality. And to try to pretend like it's not, I don't believe is helpful. And Here's been my little epiphany these last uh, few weeks where, uh, you know, I was so excited when I shared that interview with you with Matthias Desmet because he is articulating uh, with research so everybody feels good about it, although we have uh, almost the same educational background. Uh, a doctorate in psychology just means you have to do a dissertation and you can do psychological testing, but that's really the only therapeutic difference between a therapist master's level and a doctor psychologist. So, you know, I am as educated as he is almost in some of these same ideas, And uh, but he really decided to, to enter the world of statistics. And what I learned about doing a thesis in statistics is what he was talking about. You can pretty much always get numbers to tell you anything that you want and most of that is guided by who's funding the study or if you're a student it's passing with a grade so you can get out of the educational system and back into the world where you're not working for free so uh, I don't put a lot of faith in uh, research or statistical data because in the reality of uh, numbers you can make it do whatever you want however I think what's really powerful about what's happening right now is that they are accumulating data that is able to mirror what a lot of people's personal experiences are having to happen to them right now. And 
if you look at the projection, the numbers are really scary. And you just transfer those same scary ideas over into everything else, and it's just so overwhelming, it's hard to not shut down. And that's really the stress response. That's why I've been talking about this. That's our inability to face the danger is our primary nervous system response. And there's no data that I can find on this, so I can't tell you anything other than observation and a little bit of common sense. Some people run into the danger, some people run away, and some people just shut down. And so what was interesting to me in terms of listening to his conversation about taking a non-violent approach, I thought, well, that would be a really interesting conversation about what I keep talking about. How would you get out of the basement if you were locked up with a serial killer? And technically, we are locked up on this planet with a whole bunch of them. And then another group that's super excited to carry it all out. And I think that's what makes his uh, work interesting is that he creates a scenario where I think if you can listen, you can see some of the uh, dynamics that are actually happening in real time. Uh, but there's also you know, quite a bit of historical reference. Uh, what he's trying to make the point is that how do we do this in a nonviolent way? There's a mosquito here in with me. My not least favorite friend. Uh, it's like being locked in the basement with a serial killer is almost being locked in the room with a mosquito that is determined to take your blood. Uh, so how would we be nonviolent if our nervous system was to face danger and if you're like me and you have huge floods of violent energy when confronted with uh, mass injustice or fear or uh, feeling like things are dangerous, well, I think what's interesting about our current moment in time is that we are experiencing siege. For those of you who aren't familiar with that, you remember the old uh, uh, gates, you know, the walls around the castles and I wonder if you can hear that. My little computer is whirring. I don't know why it's hot. It's been on for like 10 minutes. Um, if you remember, you know, people would be inside and they'd have great big walls with all kinds of spiky things. And, you know, if they didn't have a water source inside, they were really screwed. But depending on how many animals and food stuff they could keep inside and had water, then that would determine, you know, if they could outlast the army on the outside that was camped out, cutting them off from supplies. Now, the army had to feed itself also, so it was really kind of a game about who could outlast the other person. Uh, and that's siege, right? And so what we're experiencing right now is a form of siege as we have our energy cut off and our food and water taken away and our transportation eliminated uh, and our access to uh, things that would help us get through removed or based on you know social credit score that will be a decision if we want to go with that or not so what would we do with a nonviolent response to this kinds of situation when our instinct would be to fight our way out and i don't think that uh, we can underestimate the amount of courage it takes to just speak out when there's danger in the air and when the serial killers are looking at you what do you say and that's kind of where we're at i mean these are our decisions are we going to take uh 
injections? Are we going to sign up for basic, uh, universal basic income? Are we going to agree to be part of a system where our phone tracks us, which it already does, but you know, technically we're not supposed to be following that, but we will. Uh, you know, if we don't say and do the right thing, we're not allowed to drive. We, we are, uh, there are 17 states now considering uh, taking away gasoline cars, and I just happen to be living in one of them. So we are under siege, but we don't recognize it because we're like that frog in a slowly boiled pot. Uh, and there's lots of people starting to scream, hey, we're being boiled alive. But that's where the stress response takes over. And I thought what was really important about what he was talking about, and I wanted to take it a step further, is that, you know, it's definitely hate the messenger kind of moment. But we're n you, you're not making a stand because you want other people to change so everyone's going to be okay. This is very much an individual process of our own personal lessons. And it's hard to remember that when it's a super scary moment, like you're locked in the basement with a serial killer. But we are in a life and death moment. We are in a moment where there's a lot of people that are going to die. And most of us just assume it won't be us because, you know, we're special or whatever, you know, subconscious thought system we have that says, well, you know, I don't really have to do anything because I'm just going to be okay. And you might, you know, the principles of siege are not absolute. It depends who can outlast who. It depends if it's going to rain. It depends on how uncomfortable the inside people and the outside people become. Who gives up first? Who can hold out through the discomfort? And that's really, you know, where people who are, as I like to say, the wired for danger people, we thrive when things get uncomfortable. We come more alive when things are uncomfortable. We do worse when things are too comfortable. And so that's really the group that will rise to the occasion is when the discomfort becomes great. Who's going to outlast the inside or the outside of the wall in terms of uh, just basic safety and comfort, food and medical care and things like that. And so you can't predict that. You can't know if you're going to be part of that. You can't know if you're going to be in the right place or the wrong place, whatever that means. Uh, you can't decide really how you're going to react because every individual person is going to have a unique experience through whatever process begins to unfold or continues to unfold around us. And we can't control that. And that's really the trick, right? It's what he talked about, the uncertainty factor. It's the ability to create so much uncertainty that you can't put your feet on the ground. The anxiety builds and you're just pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to make it stop. And the more you can tolerate uncertainty, the more you can understand that anxiety is a message. It's not a symptom or a disease that needs to be cured. We need to pay attention to why we're anxious and then ask those questions. Well, why am I having anxiety? Well, of course you're going to have anxiety if you're looking into the face of a serial killer and the door is locked. You are supposed to be anxious and it is uncertain and the one thing that we know is we're all locked up together. There's no external force coming to save us. 
we are each having a unique experience that is allowing us to decide uh, what trajectory, what lessons our spirit, our soul is going to learn in this lifetime. And that's one of those fabulously abstract ideas that just means absolutely nothing when you're face-to-face with somebody that's trying to do you harm. And that's why we default into our nervous system because most of us aren't doing it day in and day out. We're not training for it. We're not practicing for it. Or we've had a lot of experience and we're damaged and we're not, we don't have a strong nervous system anymore. We don't have a stress response that keeps us safe. We have a nervous system response that injures us more because we haven't had a way to heal from all the other ones that experiences that we've been through. So, ugh, right? So heavy, depressing. Oh my gosh, I'm in the, I'm in the basement with the serial killer. Uh, my personal response is to X, Y, and Z. Uh, what am I going to do at a very practical level? Well, I think that's what we'll be covering tomorrow because today I just want to talk about the what and the why. And the most important thing that I can tell you about that is it doesn't matter. If you're in a basement with a serial killer, that's everything that you need to know. You don't need more information. You don't need to know what he's doing or what he's planning on. You don't need to know why he's doing it. You don't need to know about a psychological or behavioral uh, background. You don't know, need to know if he's been tested or evaluated. You don't need to know a diagnosis. You don't need to know what his specific gruesome form of torture is going to be. You don't need to know anything in this moment and that the form of war we are under is siege and it is the equivalent of people who seem nice and gentle and charming and in, in, in positions of authority that are systematically killing people, starting problems in other countries, trying to trigger a civil war, trying to create mass unrest by withholding food and soon water in some places and transportation and health care and money, all these things. All of these things that are designed to just increase our uncertainty, increase our fear, and increase feeling out of control. And here's the big secret. That's what the serial killer wants. They thrive on the energy that you produce when you realize that you're locked in the basement with him, or I guess mostly him. Every once in a while there's a her, but mostly him. And you have no way out. And that's what it feels like. But because that's so overwhelming and it's so scary, people digress, they disassociate, they distract, they just numb out, they just do anything they can to have to face to this horrible reality that this is happening. And because it doesn't look like a movie about a serial killer, it doesn't look like a war movie. You know, it looks a lot like a James Bond movie, right? Where you've got supervillains in James Bond and we've got supervillains super villains on 
the internet who dress up like James Bond villains, but we find that funny in caricatures, and they're they're disarming, they're old, they're frail, they're out of touch, they're weak. Uh, they just don't feel powerful, or they talk to us in an NPR voice, or they tell us things that we want to hear, but we're not listening to what they're really saying. Because the reality is just too much. And that is why it's so important to understand what your nervous system is going to do when you're confronted with something that's unbearable. Because if you are someone that cannot look at danger, then it's really important that you're not on the front line with it. And if you're somebody who can't stop yourself, this is your moment. And there's a couple things that we're going to talk about what that actually means. It's not just go till you die. It means understanding how to do this, but to not take yourself out too early because this is a long game. This isn't a short game. And so it is so overwhelming and there's so much uncertainty and there's so much anxiety. That's what I was so happy that he could explain that, hopefully in a way that would make sense and create an authority that somebody like me cannot garner because I have extricated myself from the system. And by doing that, you know, I've also devalued the, uh, the validity of information because I'm not sitting around backing it up by statistics and logic and reason. And that's what I loved about the end of his conversation because like any physicist or, uh, you know, quantum mechanic, you get to a point and you realize that words don't mean anything. And I can't remember which physicist made that quote, but the only language left is poetry because the symbolism of a word is not enough. Now that's really super stressful for a lot of people because they need logic, they need reason, they're more of a left brain person. Uh, the abstraction is very unsettling. And you know, that's what we've been talking about, survival and practical and if that's you, you are necessary. You are needed, whether it's tending the children or keeping the animals fed or uh, making sure the garden is getting grown and then the, the produce is being put away. There's lots and lots and lots of absolute vital necessary survival slash practical components to siege. It doesn't mean everybody's standing around on the... Uh, I don't want to call it a fence, the, the walls, right? Everybody doesn't need to be up there. There still needs to be a backup. I think one of the most interesting things uh, that I heard, two things. One, uh, I think in the military, for every one soldier, I think there's six to eight people that are support people doing other kinds of jobs. Uh, but in olden days, in wars, and we never see this in the movies, what, what they never talked about, which was fascinating to me and like no kidding, is that back at camp, there were tons of women and maybe some men too, older men and boys, doing the laundry and cooking and sewing. And we, you know, we know about the hospital slash medical care, but there was like whole contingents of people, you know, in the back helping to take care of business. The soldiers weren't doing everything 
we must have everybody participate in this siege war slash party if we're going to get through. And this idea that somehow we can just sort of sit it out alone, we might physically do that, but your energy is part of the participation. And, you know, and that's why I'm so excited I can let go of the mental and physical components because the real power does not lie in physically wrestling the serial killer down to the ground and breaking the door and setting yourself free. It feels like that's what's supposed to happen, but what the reality is is that doesn't end the cycle. It just wait until the next serial killer shows up and the process repeats itself over and over and over. And this is what's, I think, really special about this moment in time is we have technology, we have skills, we have awareness that we don't have to do it in a violent way. Uh Uh-oh. All right, so you're getting the raw, uncut. Oh my gosh, it's going to take me forever to learn this scenario. And two, as I was playing it back, I can hear the fan whirring. So... We'll have to think about how to navigate that. So, so as I was saying, that we're in an unprecedented moment in time. So the other thing I wanted to add to this conversation is, uh, you know, when I say that I'm not, I don't count because I'm not, you know, famous and I haven't, you know, published and I haven't done all that kind of stuff. You know, I walked away from the quote unquote real world because I learned it wasn't about health care. It wasn't about health and it wasn't about care and you know, what I discovered is all these other things were so much more effective in helping us uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And to me, uh, I didn't want to sit around and wait for the uh, academic or professional world to catch up. You know, I don't know if anybody knows that, but, uh, you know, academic is usually 10 to 15 years behind whatever the informational Uh, awareness is out in the professional world and the professional world is behind uh, the stuff that's new that might work but it doesn't have the research behind it but my philosophy has been if it's not going to hurt me I certainly do not want to wait for a five to ten year study to prove something that makes sense you know that's what I've been doing with my own food right like I it doesn't make sense to me But I'm willing to experiment because the worst thing that will happen is that I will stop and go back to what I was doing before, right? But that wasn't working, so I've been, you know, ready to just try anything. So, but what I'm noticing, and this is, again, why I got so excited, is that something else is happening. A lot of what I've been talking to you about or not talking to you about is starting to wake up to make its way into the public discourse. And what's fascinating to me is that this uh, guy that I shared with you, Matthias Desmond, he is just taken off like wildfire. Like everybody cannot get him interviewed fast enough. I mean, the poor guy, I think, is doing interviews 24 hours a day. And there's a lot of older ones, you know, before he was, Uh, somebody connected to him and got him to whatever, you know, that place was that kind of put him over the top. You know, there there are tiny, uh, unfamous people and very few watched interviews. 
but the information is the same. It hadn't reached that zeitgeist. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I've tried to share with you is this idea of a bell curve and how, uh, you know, I live so far on the edge of the bell curve that I don't function in the real world. Uh, it doesn't, you know, what I think about nobody else is interested in. But what's been happening lately for me, and this is where this difference between a man and a woman, is that I'm I'm gaining confidence because I'm seeing out in the public discourse gaining traction uh, the phrases "eye of the storm," uh, you know, headwinds, all these all these ideas that are you know being human. There's a lot of talk about being human. Uh, all this stuff is coming to the forefront that I've been you know in my own head and with you with some of some online. I, there's a lot of stuff I don't talk about. Because it's just things that people aren't interested in. We're just not there yet. But what what's different for me right now, and this is one of the reasons I was just so excited, is that, you know, like like he talked about, you know, he had this intuition to talk about this and that things were happening long before it happened. You know, I've been having these uh, things, you know, thoughts about all this stuff you know, for 40 years, but it just wasn't the right time and it didn't make sense. And it's just now starting to make sense, you know, and I've tried in the past in my twenties and thirties to talk about some of these things and they just didn't connect. But I feel like a growing sense of confidence that if I was right about the other stuff that's coming forward, then maybe the, the moving, you know, moving us forward and I don't want to use that word right, but maybe there is some uh, something to these other thoughts. And, you know, one of the jokes is that, you know, men read half a book and they declare themselves an expert. Women study for 30 years and they're still not quite sure that they know enough to go public. And, you know, I am so one of those people that because there's always more to learn. I never really feel confident that I know enough. And I also get bored because I want to get on to the next thing. And for me, the next thing is so far away from what anybody else is interested in. I can only basically talk to myself because a lot of it is actually nonverbal. And it's so abstract that the understanding is not about a conversation. It's not an explanation. It's just something that connects for me in a way that I can't explain it. And, you know, and that to me is the feminine moving into the emotional and the spiritual where it isn't logic, it isn't reason, it isn't, you know, mathematical, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. And it's been so hard for me to just let go of this physical mental approach because that's people's comfort zone. And there's a lot of anxiety about talking about abstractions and energy and nonverbal and symbol and things like that when you're face-to-face with a serial killer, right? It's hard to believe that any of that could be true or real. But when you understand the nature of reality, you understand that's the only way you're going to get away from the serial killer. And we need to have all the experiences, our little soul. So we have to have a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual experience to get the whole picture And most of that does not all happen at one time or in one experience or for one person in a complete way. You know, it's a, it's a process and which is stressful, you know, when people are logical reason and outcome based. And 
uh, you know, those are the people that get frustrated with me because I don't have resolution. I'm not solving all my problems. I'm not getting over it, whatever it is. And it's a never-ending process, and that creates anxiety if you're outcome-oriented. And, you know, I talked a little bit last time about, you know, the masculine is the container. It's the system. It's the parameters inside the container is the feminine and that is the the non-practical that's the emotional and the spiritual and the creative and uh the mystery this the beauty the stuff that if you have to intellectualize it it all gets lost and its power is gone it's like talking about a dream you can have this incredibly powerful dream and then you just try and tell somebody about it and it seems dumb when you say it out loud and then all the majesty and and intuition and you know feeling involved with that dream kind of dissipates because it just got weird because you tried to tell somebody about it. And so then we think, oh, well, it can't have value. And so I feel like we are moving into this place where it's finally going to be okay to move into a lot of this abstraction and nonverbal stuff as a descriptor of an emotional state, but not a simple answer. Uh, and that's going to be really aggravating for some people, and it's aggravating for me. Uh, and it's also hard because it feels very uh, vulnerable in terms of oversharing. But I don't know how else to do it. And so uh, I just wanted to end this because you know, with this kind of excitement about this idea that it is, I am seeing uh, people come forward and talk about things and gain traction in the public forum that was just completely unheard of, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, things like that. And, and to me, it's sort of like, you know, predictions. If you get enough that come true, you start to value the process or the source that's giving the information. And we like prediction. We like prophecy because we believe it takes away our anxiety and uncertainty and it allows us to control something that feels completely out of control. But here's, you know, the next big secret is that, uh, that the only that you are influencing it all. And when you understand your participation at the energetic level, then you, it doesn't matter what the event is. It doesn't matter if you're in the basement or not. That's not what's actually the most important thing. And I know that doesn't even make sense as I say it, but, uh, but it's hard for me to talk about because it's, uh, it, it isn't logical. And that of course just drives people crazy. But I do believe that we are moving into something that is so important. And it's something that I've been holding for, you know, decades, but I didn't know what to do with it because it just never was right. The time wasn't right. You know, I just felt weird if I tried to talk about it or it didn't connect uh, or I didn't stick with it long enough to be the person to connect with because it really wasn't what I was interested in. I just knew it was part of the evolution and the process. Uh, and so I tried to make that a thing, but I couldn't hold on to it because I, I still wanted to get to the next thing. Uh, and that's where I think the women, we are the next thing. The men, you guys are going to be super busy with 
the physical and mental realities of what's happening now. I mean, we are under siege. We are in a war. We are in a basement all locked up. And this problem is not going to go away. And, and it's, you know, you can take out the serial killer, but the systems are broken down. We've been in the basement so long. We don't have a system that works. And so you can take away the general or the, whoever's orchestrating it, but you still have a broken system. And I think people are slow to realize this isn't about getting rid of the, the bad guy. It's not about taking out the singular or even the plural serial killers. It's about why, and this is his point, you know, when he was talking about the mass formation, it's like, why are we allowing this to happen? And the, the biggest reason is because we've allowed ourselves to get in a situation where we don't know how to take care of ourselves. I mean, I don't think people realize how much we as humans don't know how to take care of ourselves. And there are exceptions, but as in the first world, in the uh, Western world, we don't know how to take care of ourselves. And how insane is that, that we've created systems where as humans, we can't feed ourselves. We don't understand basic biology. We, we give all our power away to people, quote unquote, people, institutions, uh, whatever, organizations. We have no idea what they're doing. And we're assuming they have our best interests in heart. Why would we think that? And that's the psychology. Why would we think that? And that's because we don't like the uncertainty. We don't like the anxiety. And more importantly, we don't like the responsibility. And man, I've been speaking to personal responsibility for so long. And it's the one thing I absolutely know that makes people tune out. And if there's anything in my title that just has the slightest whiff of personal responsibility barely anybody watches or listens because we as humans do not like it and yet it is the only thing we're here to truly learn and you know who really likes that we don't like it is serial killers because their stimulation is to pull the strings and have the the helpless victim be in terror and fear and that is their food source i mean that's the simplest way energetically the serial killer wants to feel that uncertainty and that anxiety that's the food stuff of the consciousness that's getting fed so that's going to take us just a slight step into what the solutions really are but we're going to end here on this friday uh, if you do want to be a paid subscriber there's lots of links and it was always much appreciated when you sign up because somebody's got to do the work and that is what we are going to be doing here not just talking about it not just thinking about it not just wondering about it and then waiting for someone else to do something about it hmm. we are internalizing and doing the real work and my focus is really going to radically shift now there'll be practical stuff for our nervous system but the real power of change lies in the emotional and the spiritual because that's the fuel for the consciousness that creates all these issues to begin with. So with that, we made it to the end here. 
<sighs> We're going to take a deep breath. Hope I can finish editing it in its simplest form. And I, my friends, will see you next time.